Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. Welcome back if you're a return visitor and uh, double, triple thank you if you are. Hope you're feeling okay. I feel, I feel like last week when I was introducing the pod, I was like on another level of frantic stressed. So I apologize for that, for bringing that energy into your life. I'm a lot more chilled out this week. Um, I don't know, like, look, this might be oversharing, but hey, it's me. Um, my PMT is just getting so much worse as I get older, and it's starting to make me feel properly crazy. Um, I've, I'm actually getting my hormones tested at the moment um, because I feel like it's beyond normal. And I think I was, like, slightly off the wall, like, not in the right head last week when I was recording these little bits. So you'll be glad to know. I'm feeling a little bit more normal today. Um, I've still been in Wexford, which has been really nice. I'm getting all the family time in this summer, which has been great. I feel very, very lucky that I've been able to spend so much time with the kids. But I'm also quite ready for that to come to an end now um, and uh, get back into normal kind of life and routine. I suppose... I don't know about you, but I always feel like September is a real starting point every year rather than January. January never really feels like a start for me. It's always September. Um, so, yeah, I've got lots, lots to do in the rest of the year. Um, and I am really looking forward to telling you all about it as it happens. Um, so what else? Don't forget, I think there are still tickets available. There's a few tickets still available for the Cork Podcast Festival, which is next weekend, Saturday the 26th. Um, it is on in the Firkin Crane at four o'clock. So there is, you know, I think it's a good time, as I said last week. Really looking forward to it. There's My guests are brilliant. Should I say who the guests are? Would that be a good idea? No, I'm just going to tell you they are really good and really fun. So it's not going to be a big serious thing. It's going to be really good crack. So if you want a couple of, you know, an hour and a half or so of a good laugh, I, I promise you, you're going to get that. So that's next Saturday in the Cork Podcast Festival at the Firkin Crane at four o'clock. Tickets are available now. The link is in my show notes. Other than that, my friends, I think we should just get on with it because we have a lot to talk about today. It's a long one again. 
You guys are telling me to stop apologizing for that, so I won't apologize. But let's just get straight into it by catching up with the news with Aoife Moore. Aoife Moore, hello. Greetings to you from Wexford. How are you? I'm good. I'm going to Edinburgh tomorrow, so I need to actually pack. <laughs> it's very exciting. All your book stuff is really, is really the getting started. started. I'm going to Edinburgh Book Festival tomorrow or Friday. Um, I am doing a talk on Friday morning with Fergal Keane, one of my heroes, um, do promo the book, which comes out, oh my God, it comes out in three weeks. Yeah, so exciting. Um, Eva's book, The Long Game. Um, what's, this, what's the subheading? Inside Sinn Féin. Inside Sinn Féin, sorry. Um, is available in a few weeks. If you haven't pre-ordered it, pre-order. The link is in the show notes every week. Um, but actually, I wanted to say to you before we got going, I when we talked about your podcast, Trolled, um, initially I hadn't listened because uh, I had just been up the walls, but I have now listened to it. And it's so good. Um, but my God, it is so upsetting. And like, I know this shit is going on, but like when yeah. you hear about it, it it's like, yeah. I was listening to the, yeah. the the latest episode um includes people the influencers basically talking about the things that people have been saying about them and how it's impacted their lives and it is horrifying. I mean honestly if you haven't listened I cannot recommend it enough. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's not available on the usual podcast platforms. It's available on Outcaster for 12 euro total if you get like all of the episodes as they come out. Um, and I know Eva and Cassie have put a huge amount of work into it. Um, but it is it is really good. But like it's horrifying. How are you with it? Like Bonnie Ryan's mommy being told that Bonnie had died. Like I couldn't believe it. Someone wrote on the internet that Bonnie had died. Um, and then her ma and her boyfriend thought it was true. I mean, that she had died in a car accident. I think the the um feedback has been great, but it is it's really tough, I think. And I the thing for me that I take away from it is a lot of people just had no idea mm. how bad it was. Mm. Um, and it's not just for people in the public eye. Like the next episode has Jackie Fox, whose daughter was bullied online, and then took her own life and that's the thing I really want to get across is it's not just people in the public eye um but yeah it's me and Cassie both said like it took a real toll on our mental health making it because you become really really distrustful Mm. of people because it's not as we say it's not people in their mammy's basement with no life opportunities and no life partner and no it's people people you know it's people you sit beside them on the bus. Yeah, but uh, but also you know I think what's so insidious and gross and that comes up in in this third episode is that like for a lot of people it's people that they know, people that they consider friends. Like you know Aoife, yeah. who's one of the influencers who you talked to on this episode. May I genuinely was like she's like you have to keep your circle really small, um because you you don't know who who you could be talking to who might be putting stuff up on these websites and honestly I had a moment of oh my god I'm way too open I talk to too many people I tell too many too many people in my business I was like I need to reel it in but then when that happens then you're like no because I'm not gonna let these people like impact oh for god's sake go away sorry my phone (laughs) Um, I'm not going to let these people like impact my life and, you know, tell yeah. me what to do. But then the reality is they already have because I already heavily filter, you know, what yeah. I say on the in- on the Internet or on my Instagram or whatever as a result of the some of the kind of hateful messages I've received. So, like, you know, they do get in on you. The thing for Eva Devlin as well was like she was pregnant. Um, she talks about this in the podcast, but she was pregnant and someone 
wrote on her wrote on a gossip form what she was going to call her child yeah. and she knew that she had only told like a select amount of people so it was people someone in her circle yeah and that's and like I can't imagine being pregnant is quite scary and vulnerable and isolating as it is yeah yeah totally um, it's gross 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 anyway it is fascinating listening it is very unpleasant but it is a reality and I think it's one that we need to face up to um, so I highly recommend that you go and listen um, as I said the link is in the show notes but we better get down to business because boy is there a lot of news to talk about and well, there's so much news. let's start with Bank of Ireland yeah I'm sure even the people who don't read the news have heard about this because mm. it's been everywhere but Bank of Ireland had a tech issue um in the last couple of days. So the mobile app and Banking 365, which is the online service for Bank of Ireland, um, were down. There was a technology breakdown. And it said, basically what they have described it is that it allowed customers who had no money in their account to get access to funds that they didn't necessarily have. So what mm. we saw then was, I would say hundreds of people queuing at bank machines when they realized that they could take out money that they did not have in their bank account. So you could have zero in your bank account and take out a thousand euro out of a bank account. People mistakenly believed that this was free money and queues got very big. We saw this in Dublin and across the country. Um, people queued for hours. The Gardaí appeared. We'll talk about that in a minute. The Gardaí appeared at a number of bank machines. Um, and the Bank of Ireland statement said... A technical issue impacted a number of Bank of Ireland services. Our teams restored these services overnight. All services are available throughout the country this morning. Overnight payments to accounts may appear throughout the day. We are aware that the technical issue meant that some customers were able to withdraw or transfer funds above the normal limit. These transfers and withdrawals will be applied to customers' accounts today. We urge any customer who finds themselves in financial difficulty due to the overdrawn on their account to contact us. So what they are saying is this is not free money. If you took out a thousand euro and you did not have a thousand euro in your bank, that means you're now in uh or you're now in an unauthorized overdraft. And then the bank will add charges onto that. I know all of us uh, well, maybe not all of us, but some of us have been very skint at certain points of their life and went into an unauthorized overdraft, which is bad enough, but then yeah. the banks really go after you with charges um it was really my life as a student same they really they really don't um like that when you do that it also meant that the fault in the online app meant that people who had no money in their account could transfer money and do revolut and then take that out of the bank as well it's bad it's bad the whole thing is is bad and you know and it like i i i think it's a bit silly to think that you'd be able to take money and not have to kind of pay for it at some stage or repay it at some stage but you know the fault does lie with Bank of Ireland yes it does um and some people would have genuinely taken money out of their account and not known Mm. because you couldn't see your balance either Mm. yeah yeah well this is the thing exactly exactly if you couldn't see your balance and you didn't know how much you had in there you could easily have done that Everybody um, chances her arm at a bank machine. You're like, or when you tell oh, me I've your done arm, it. Yeah, I've done it. But I'll just keep going. A hundred percent. And like, it depends on kind of what your experience of money and banking is. Because like, yeah. I remember, uh, uh, I was trying to think there how much was it. At the time, it felt like what it would feel like now if 40 grand appeared in my bank account but it was probably like four grand when four I was grand, 17 yeah. um all Jesus. of a sudden yeah and I was working at the time but like it was this massive amount of money 
And I was like, oh, my God. And so obviously I started spending it. But, you know, the bank took it back. Like, (laughs) but at the time I felt like it was really unjust. Now I understand. But like, because it's not my (laughs) problem. It wasn't my money. Not my problem that you put that money in my account. But I can understand why people would would make that mistake. And then the further controversy was that Gardy appeared at bank machines, um, which caused like a lot of concern. First of all, that's not. The guard's job. Yeah, that's um, what like under what law? What are they yeah, trying to so protect? The guard said, uh, the spokesperson said, on a case by case basis, local decisions were made dependent on the public safety and public order presented to members of Garda Shiakona. Okay, from I have seen a number of images of Garda stand at bank machines where there were no queues. So Yeah, I saw that had, too. So we have the photographs, we know that that's not always been the case. It is not. First of all, the Garda's job to <laughs> police bank machines and it is not the Garda's job to tell people when they can and cannot take money out of their bank account. Well, exactly, because there would have been people who actually genuinely, like, I don't go to an ATM very regularly, but I have to pay my therapist in cash and <laughs> I have to go to the ATM every week for that reason. What if you were just getting money for your therapy or something similar that exactly. you needed cash for? Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's not been Dodgy. a great week for um, the police. Let's stay with the Gardaí, actually, because um, I... Uh, I have thoughts. Yeah, I have thoughts about this as well. So the Gardaí sent home three trainee Gardaí guards uh, as a result of their tattoos recently. Yeah, they have tattoos. So one man was integrated in the Independent. He was sent home from Templemore. He's 32. And he was told that he did not, the tattoo on his hand, which was visible, did not comply with the forces dress and uniform code. Mm. So surely in all the interviews that he had before he went to Templemore, they would have seen this on his hand. Mm. Um, so he was a retail store manager um, for a long time. And then he went to Templemore where they do their training. He, the tattoo on his hand, not that this matters, but it's a lion um it's quite nice actually mm. you ever see someone's tattoo and you're like oh you look hot even though I can't see the rest of them <laughs> yeah so he got the tattoo during COVID because his little son um had kidney disease so that's why he got it not that it matters but anyway three trainees were sent home um among 175 recruits who were sent to Templemore um the process of getting to Templemore took 18 months and included multiple assessments and interviews he said that he the tattoo of the lion was visible on his hand because it is. He didn't go to the interviews wearing gloves. Mm. Um, he said no one, including Senior Gardy, ever conf- expressed any concern about it. And now he's been sent home and he has to look for another job. He said, if I am accepted back into training, it seems I would have to remove the tattoo in my hand, which could take a year. And I'd have to put my life on hold at that time. And it could cost up to €2,000 and about 20 painful sessions. And then there's no guarantee that that would be acceptable. It might be considered to look more unsightly because, you know, sometimes a tattoo removal, it's a real roll of the dice. Um, Sometimes what they can look like. Um, This is just so stupid. Sorry. It's so (laughs) stupid. Yeah. So the Garda Representative Association said that it does perhaps seem that this policy is slightly out of step and is robbing the organization of three people with the potential to be excellent guards. The other cases was um, someone had a tattoo behind her ear, which means I would be out. And the other had a tattoo on her neck. So I'm assuming from that that they're both. I'd be out too because I have my little smiley on my finger. Oh, yes. And I have one 
Yeah, I have two in the back of my ears, so no guarantee. This is just so, it's so stupid. Like, obviously, if you had a Nazi symbol tattooed on you or, like, fuck the police tattooed on you, I can see that that would be a conflict of interest. But, like, this is ridiculous. It's 2023. What are you doing? You have a shortage of applicants. You have a shortage of applicants to uh, guards, a shortage of guards. I really and a think- shortage of people who are in touch with reality. In my opinion, yes. mm-hmm. um, I mean, tattoos have definitely come on a journey in, in terms of like public acceptance. Yeah, I mean, someone actually said to me, "There's something in this," but somebody actually said to me they noticed when they went to the north, the northern people had a lot more tattoos than southern people, hmm. which I thought was really interesting. But um, yeah, everyone in my family has tattoos. Um, but also, the but thing like, is, I think it used to be seen as something really rock and roll, really alternative, a bit different to have a tattoo, where it's just absolutely not the case anymore. No, and it's also and, there's a there's a degree of classism in here, I think, as well. Hugely. And but also, it's just stupid because makeup has come on so much. Like Kat Von D's makeup line, like she's not part of it anymore because she's problematic. Um, but her, you know, a lot of the basis of some of her complexion products are about covering up tattoos, like. Like, you can buy that in bloody booths, I think. Um, so it's just stupid. Yeah, it started a wider conversation. And like the other side of it is we have changed the Yardie uniform years in recent years, thank God, um, to make it more accessible. We know you see, you know, when the yard started, women had to wear skirts. Um, we know you have guards who wear turbans and stuff like that. And ex- like for religious reasons. And all this is about making the guards more accessible. Yeah, which and be. diverse. Someone can't have a tattoo. It's so stupid. So stupid. Okay, we've got to move on because we've got a million things to talk about. Um, let's talk about what's going on with these wildfires in Maui, Hawaii. It's horrific. So we know that over 100 people have died or have been listed as dead so far, but that's going to get um a lot higher. So the wildfires are the the wildfires in Hawaii have now been named the most deadly in more than a century for America. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden is to travel to Maui on Monday. Um, he said he didn't go initially because he wanted to make sure that he wasn't like getting in the way because there mm-hmm. is such a rescue effort on. Mm-hmm. Um, they've started identifying some of the people who have died. Um. But as I said, there are people collapsed. There's people under buildings and stuff. So, um, the it's the holiday resort, obviously, of Maui. But the where the wildfires are, where the more residential part of it, um, so it has been horrific. Um, the other side of it is that Maui, for a long time, could not deal with the amount of tourism mm. that it was coming to the island. You know, for a long time, people have asked, locals have asked people not to come to Hawaii yeah. because they can't cope. Um, So they it have... meant like fire services were overstretched, emergency services were overstretched. And they were having a major water shortage, like there were huge exactly. issues. Yeah. So the water shortage then obviously contributed to the wildfire. We, we know, and we talk about this nearly every week now, that... This is linked to climate change. Yeah. Um, they had a really, really hot summer, and then because of the lack of water, it spread so, so quickly. The like, the fire, the burnt area, um, is absolutely huge. They said it could take years to rebuild. There has been serious criticism about how quickly aid was brought to mm. There was a lack of places and shelters for people, mm. and I think the thing that really I noticed when I was watching it was in the shelters you saw a lot of indigenous Hawaiian people mm. 
Um, there was obviously white people there as well, but there was a lot of indigenous Hawaiian people. And then you saw, I don't know if anyone saw it during the week, but like Oprah lives there half the year. Mm. And she was there giving out aid in the shelter, pillows, blankets, stuff like this. And it started a wider conversation about how rich people, I mean, Oprah's insanely rich. And I know Jeff Bezos lives part-time in Maui as well. But it started a long conversation about, you know, people who come to Maui and, and use their services or whatever. And then, but they get to leave again. Mm. And now this, the outworking of climate change and these wildfires means that the poorest and the more vulnerable are going to be left. Yeah. Also, some people are still going to Maui because they had holidays booked. That's crazy. On the different part of the island. What are you doing? Don't go. And some people are still denying climate change. Like, it's crazy. Um, Very briefly, I thought we should just note as well that there was um, a news story this week about Met Aaron telling, uh, basically telling people that Ireland needs to prepare for their own major weather events. Yeah. We are not going to see wildfires as far as we know, but it looks to be heavier rainfall, which I cannot imagine because it's been the wettest July ever. Heavier rainfall, storm surges and coastal flooding. And they just said this is all going to lead to more extreme weather events, but we can't um, rule out anything further. They said amidst a summer of freak weather events, um, we said that Matt Aaron said it was beyond doubt that human influence had warmed the atmosphere, ocean and land, and that temperatures are up by approximately one degree Celsius since 1900. And they said that the intensity and frequency of storms in Ireland is going to increase. They said Irish rainfall patterns are expected to change with an increase in both dry periods and heavy rainfall events. Okay. This is... We can't ignore it, but we have to acknowledge it. I know, like, I, I don't know what else we can say about that except that it's true. And we all need to process that and think about our own actions and think about the way that we vote and, and you know, try and make a difference there. Um, okay. Uh, now, RTE is back in the news via Ryan Tuberty. Yes. The second report into the Ryan Tuberty pay scandal has been published. And confirms that what we kind of already knew, but the Ryan Tuberty salary was underreported by RTE by 120,000 euro between 2017 and 2019. The report, um, so Grant Thornton, the big financial company, their findings said it was very plausible the Tuberty salary was publicly understated to allow in order to allow for revised earnings, and they basically that RTE wanted to keep it to show that he was making less than half a million euro per year, 500,000 euro mm. per year. So they said that it found that the RT board were correct to restate Tuberty's earning and makes clear that neither Tuberty nor his agent, Noel Kelly, had any involvement in RT's decision to understate his pay for the three-year yeah. period. Now, Ryan Tuberty feels very justified. This is the second time now that he has been found not to have any fault. Yeah, but they because they they even said he wasn't CC'd on any of the contract emails, and this is what I was saying, and people gave me shit for this because I was like, "This is what happens. Like you aren't necessary. I never th- there are lots of contracts with my name on them that I have never seen because I have a representative yeah. who manages that for me. Like that is normal in this area of work. I mean, there is an argument that that's maybe not the greatest thing, but it is the standard." They said 
that they found several failures uh, which significantly contributed to the national broadcaster publishing incorrect earnings for tubs between 2017 and 2020. And they said the failure of key individuals in the RT finance team to properly detect, assess and understand changes made in the marked up version of Tubbs' contract. Um, Tubbs put out a statement saying that he welcomed it. He also noted that he had been um, exonerated again. He wants very much to come back mm. to RT, to the radio. That's up to the RT director general now, Kevin Backhurst. No decision has been made on that yet. But as Tuberty had said from the outset, this was issues with RT's finance board and not him. Mm. But it does very, it looks very sneaky that mm. they were trying to say that Ryan Tuberty made under a half under a million. Mm. So they fudged the figures. Mm. So that it, it looked that way. Um, according to the Indo today, uh, negotiations are happening for a Ryan Tuberty return, and we'll have to wait and see. Um, I don't know. Mm. I change my mind all the time about what I think is going to happen, so I won't make a prediction. Um, okay, Trump has been indicted again. I mean, I feel like we do this every week. <laughs> I know. Like, let's not spend too much time on it, but like, it's happened. I look. I actually, this is the one I know the most about. So he's been indicted under a Rico. Felony, a Rico charge. If anyone watches The Sopranos, mm-hmm. Tony's greatest fear was the Rico. Rico is racketeering, not just Trump. Um, Trump and a number of co-conspirators have been indicted in the state of Georgia. This is a state felony. Mm-hmm. This is why this is important, because even if Trump becomes the president, he cannot pardon himself or anyone else from a state felony. Mm-hmm. They have no agreement over state felonies. So there are 13 felony coins in Atlanta compounding uh, the legal threat that he is facing. And it is, these laws are usually to bring down mobsters. So what they are saying is that even though Trump wasn't directly involved with the outworkings of the plan, he is at the top of the food chain. It was to benefit him. So like the mafia, the mafia man, Tony Soprano doesn't go and do the jobs, but they benefit him. And that's why he could be indicted on it as well. Mm. He is already due to go on on trial in New York, South Florida and Washington. But now he will face these charges in Atlanta, Georgia, where he engaged, as they said, in criminal racketeering enterprise to overturn Georgia's presidential election result. Um, So Fulton County. I remember Fulton County so clearly because it took ages to do the final count. I remember it too, yeah. Yeah, isn't it mad how like people in Fulton County are probably like nothing ever happens here? And now yeah. you're famous. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she said that sorry, Fanny Willis, hilarious name, Fanny mm-hmm. Willis, um, the Attorney General said that this was not political. She said that, um, this was nonpartisan and makes she makes decisions in this office based on the facts and the law. The law is completely nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. The Trump campaign released a statement and retort said that he was being because Fannie Willis is a Democrat, that she was a rabid partisan who was persecuting the former president with bogus indictments. Mm. And then Trump's lawyer said that they looked forward to a detailed review of this indictment, which is undoubtedly just as flawed and unconstitutional as this entire process has been. I forgot to say. Yeah, he has been impeached twice. There are now six conspiracy claims <laughs> over alleged efforts to commit forgery, impersonate a public official, and submit false statements and documents. Two also things that I think are hilarious to know about this. Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York, is also named in this indictment, as is Kanye West's former manager. Oh, 
like the thing is I almost don't even know what the point of talking about this stuff is because he's still probably going to be the person who runs yes like uh, long story short they were 12,000 votes short and they went to he sent a group don't know if he personally sent them but a group of people working for Trump went to Fulton County and tried to lean on the people counting the votes for want of a better term to find 12,000 votes so that he could win Fulton County and win Georgia it's crazy it doesn't matter what this man does though it doesn't matter what he does it doesn't matter like they don't nobody cares or the people who care people who like him don't care okay and finally um I just there's been some discourse air quotes uh, online this week around um there was a video of a group of young men um shall we call them attacking someone on the street and then um there has been lots of chat about the safety of people in Dublin and some of the crime that's happening and then there was a teenager in court this week over the extremely violent and that's the term that was used in court robbery of a tourist in Temple Bar violence in Dublin is up for discussion and there are some yes. interesting perspectives being uh, spouted online so this is all off the back I say of this attack. Um, so there was a group of young footballers who were brought over to play a football match in Dublin. Three of them were attacked. They were in their 20s, attacked uh, in Temple Bar by a group of teenagers and taken to St. James's Hospital. The football match didn't go ahead and the boys went home. The one 17-year-old boy um, was caught and charged. He's accused of the robbery of the tourists and he stole 30 euro out of his wallet. No, he was not... Um, on his own this was a group of teenagers who accosted this these tourists um kicked them to the ground and then this wee boy took money took the wallet out of the fellas jeans um he appeared in court sobbing rubbing his eyes and cried throughout the bail here and he was accompanied to the proceedings by his mammy he made no reply he was led out on bail and the he's now not allowed back into Dublin one but it has started this longer conversation wider conversation because this is the second tourist mm. that this has happened they we saw what happened to Mr. Tamini uh, the American tourist who was attacked um just off Talbot Street mm. well, weeks ago who was left in a really critical concession and we had um young teenage boys arrested over that as well and it started a wider conversation about well the main argument from the usual heads is more Gertie, more Polish for Gertie, more laws. That is not going to work. No. The American terrorist was attacked 500 feet from a Garda station. Yeah. So it's not, it's not Gertie. And if these wee boys are standing in court crying their eyes out at 17 years of age, society mm-hmm. has failed in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Because if these groups of wee boys, and it is wee boys, you're roaming Dublin and beating the shit out of people that is absolutely wrong and they should absolutely be prosecuted for this. But there is a failure of the state somewhere along the line there. And yeah. why don't we look at the lack of services and the lack of social services and the lack of sport and investment in inner city communities yeah. and lower socioeconomic communities? Because if these wee boys are roaming Dublin city centre to kick the shit out of people, it's because they've got nothing else better to do. Yeah. And I mean, look, we know that we're failing young people. Like we've discussed it on this program repeatedly. Like, you know, even kids in care are being failed. Like, you know, we're not supporting young people. And, the, and yet then there are people who are so quick 
to like write these people off, these young kids and young men as scumbags. This is the word that I see time and time again. It's like you don't get to be violent at 17 on your own. Like that is something that happens as a result of the culture and the environment that you're brought up in and, you know, how what you were taught and all of those things. And society has a responsibility to make sure that those environments are healthy. And like, I was really pissed off when I read this because like, like for the tourists, like, you know, when something happens and I know Dublin's not my hometown, but it is my adopted hometown. And when something happens in your hometown and you feel really fucking embarrassed, yeah. like, really embarrassed, it happened like it's when stuff happens in Derry I feel the same if like a tourist on happens to a tourist I'm like god I'm so embarrassed I'm really sad that happened and we saw it with the Ukrainian uh, actor was attacked a couple of weeks ago as well and like I do believe that there should be punishment for this young person but I do not should believe it should be in prison because we also know if this wee boy goes to prison he is going to find it 10 times more difficult to get out of the judicial system exactly when they go in to prison at a young age or in the detention at a young age, they become or more likely to become criminals in older life. You know, we're also failing our prisoners when it comes to mental health and addiction issues. I really don't think this young person, and I have to say, to be fair, the, the Republic of Ireland, we do tend not, we don't have the same thing as America when it comes to young people. They do try and keep young offenders out of prison for as long as they can. I think because it's this wee boy's first um conviction or charge sorry that he probably won't and they said that it, detention was a last resort in juvenile cases but uh, he should obviously should face some sort of punishment because what happened to that tourist seemed really really scary mm. but it has started a wider conversation and the conversation for some reason from politicians and even Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, Sinn Féin politicians in the inner city, why are you not talking about lack of services for young people? Honestly. Like, when this happened, stop talking about Gardaí. They opened a mobile Garda unit on O'Connell Street after the last who you had by O'Connell Street and they came out and they said the guard who managed it, no one uses it. So it's not changing anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, they have the youth diversion program, which is like, you know, where the JLOs or juvenile liaison officers come from when, when young people commit a crime. Um, but like, I know people who have been through that system and it's, you know, I'm, maybe it's effective in places, but it's not effective in others. And like, what if we had a genuinely effective, you know, what if your punishment, air quotes, for committing a crime as a young person was that you had to do a three month mentorship program or you had to go mm-hmm. to, you know, learn a skill for three months or you had to, you know, I, I'm, you look, I'm not an expert in these areas. I'm not pretending like I have the best ideas, but there has to be an alternative that would actually have an effect because currently it seems like nothing has an effect. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I, when I lived in Glasgow, there was a huge issue with young offenders, and the Young Offender Centre was actually based in Glasgow when I was there. But the number of services that when young people came out of these um, detention centres, they could go under those kind of mentorship programmes, but they were all run by charities. Mm-hmm. Like, they were not run by the state. And I think an investment in such things, not even post-detention, but also in affected communities. Like, when you look at the number of boxing clubs and football clubs that have shut down in the inner city, mm-hmm. and then you see a rise in antisocial behavior from young people like no wonder and like the other thing is like with community centers and stuff like this when do you ever see a group of young teenage fellas standing somewhere that aren't that don't get moved on mm. where are they going to go mm. like you see it you see it in shopping centers you see it in the street they get moved on can't stand here lads mm. what are these wee boys supposed to do and i'm not justifying what he did because i think what he did was horrible no and even when i read, when I read the court report and he was crying i was like of course you're crying because you're a coward because you attacked somebody with a group of people because yeah. you can't fight on your own 
Mm-hmm. So I'm annoyed at the wee boy, but I understand why he's got here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's no one's excusing the crime. Like, Jesus, no one no. thinks it's okay to be walking around town violently attacking people. Obviously not. And obviously there need to be consequences. But like, if we have to acknowledge that the system is not working. Yeah, okay, Aoife, thank you so much. We've talked for a very long time um, and I so appreciate it. Um, everybody pre-ordered the long game. Yay. Love you. I have long been an admirer of Shauna Scott of Sex Shoppa. She is the founder of an online sex shop and um, she talks so brilliantly and transparently and clearly about sexuality that when I got some messages this week about women's sexuality, I thought she would be the perfect person to have on. If you have never had an orgasm, if you have never bought a vibrator, if you don't know where to begin, this is the slot for you. If you have a vibrator that you already love, this is still the slot for you because it turns out there's loads of new stuff. I hope you enjoy. Shauna Scott of Sex Shoppa, thank you so much for joining me. Um, as I was saying there, um, last week, the kind of issue of women's sexuality came up and the fact that a lot of women don't actually kind of get to know themselves on a sexual level until later in life, um, which isn't great and I wish would be better. And it prompted kind of some interesting messages for me in my inbox from people who felt that they still hadn't gotten to know their bodies. There were people telling me they've never had an orgasm and they're in their 30s, uh, women who've never owned vibrators. And I thought, well, we can do something about that. Like that is something that we can help with. (laughs) But then I realized that I actually, I'm fairly clueless. I know there's been a lot of development in the world of sex toys since I first got my first vibrator when I was like 22 or something. And I thought, I know just the woman to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, first of all, like that is not uncommon at all I get emails from people all the time from like their 20s up to their 60s um about like you know saying I haven't I've never had an orgasm I don't feel like I was given the tools and the vocabulary to like talk about sex they're like they will say in their emails I'm really embarrassed to even talk about this and I was like well you've come to the right place (laughs) um it was like there's no there's no need to be like embarrassed or ashamed here like this is this is literally my job you've come to the right person and you know am I right in saying that there has been a lot of development in like I know there's like back in my day I think when I first bought my a vibrator I'm suddenly very conscious of some of the people who listen to this podcast. If you are <laughs> someone who this might be uncomfortable for, turn your ears away. Um, <laughs> but I think when I first bought a vibrator, it was the time of like the rampant rabbit was really big. Those little like bullet vibrators, which I'm not, you know, shading either of those. But like there's lots more available now, isn't there? So much more available. And like like you said, not to not to knock those. Like they're still a classic. People mm. still buy them. Um, but there is there is so much more variety now. I think the biggest thing for a lot of people, especially for for women, is like the aesthetic has changed. Mm. It's now like what used to be a more male dominated industry has now softened a bit, and you're seeing a lot more um like women in the space mm. and that has definitely shifted the aesthetic so mm. things look a lot nicer coming in a wider variety of colors not just your pinks now i know in the year <laughs> of the barbie movie <laughs> like 
we're all about pink, but like it's nice to have a variety of mm. colors because you know not everybody who uses a vibrator might want pink. There's also like blues and teals and purples and like every color of the rainbow. And also like the tech has changed. Yeah. So we're getting better tech, like longer lasting batteries. And I think the, the sort of the popularization of um, like wireless app controlled toys has become huge during the pandemic. It, they were around before then, but it, like certainly during lockdown, the demand for um, app control toys has just exploded. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. So app control toy is where someone else has control over what's happening with the toy via an app. Or yourself. Or yeah. yourself. So you can okay. control it from your phone or someone else. Now, there's there's two different types. So you can control it with an app as long as it's in the room and it's like Bluetooth connected. Okay. There's also like long distance okay. app control. So you got to you gotta make sure you're getting the one that you want. If you're in two different countries, you got to make sure you get the long distance one. Okay. That's interesting. And then mm-hmm. in terms of the tech, I know like I read Lily Allen's book and she talked about the womanizer and how it was responsible for her first orgasm. And that's yeah. like a suction, isn't it? Yeah. So she, she was actually the face of, of womanizer for, for a while. Like I, I sell there, there is literally a womanizer with her face. On <laughs> not I, on the I actual, saw. on the box, I presume not on the actual, Yes, yeah, yeah. that would be fairly niche, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, like, like womanizer. So the thing about womanizer, terrible name. I don't know who came up with that name, yeah. um, but like really fantastic technology. And they're the ones that actually came up with that air pulse technology. So we call it a sucking vibrator. It doesn't actually, there's no sucking involved. So what it is, is like, there's like a little cap and the cap goes over your clitoris just so. And it has, it like, it creates like a, it forms like a, a, a seal around your clitoris and then pushes little air pulses against it. So it's like indirect stimulation mm. that kind of mimics sucking, but not really. Mm. Doesn't matter because the sensation is really, really intense. Yeah. So if you're someone who isn't particularly sensitive, um, it, 100% would recommend like an air pulse or like quote unquote su- sucking yeah. vibrator. Air pulse. Because like okay. it is such an intense um, sensation. Really great for folks who are on certain medications like I just I just started my second round of SSRIs Mm -hmm. like this week and one of the things I was concerned about because the last time I was on antidepressants I could not come like could not come to save my life and I said it to my GP I'm like I need (laughs) please is there is there something else like maybe the lower (laughs) maybe a lower dose or something. Um, So I'm still kind of figuring that out. But if you're on a type of medication that makes that has that side effect, Mm. um, that makes you less sensitive, uh, makes it more difficult for you to to reach orgasm, something like a like an air suction vibe is fantastic. Okay, then the other one that I saw when I was looking at stuff this week that I have no idea how it works, it looks like a tickler. (laughs) Like, it's got like a really fi- it's like round at the bottom and then it comes to like a really fine point do you know oh, what I mean yeah it's not like it flutters is that how it works I honestly like I'm not completely stupid about this stuff but that is one that I'm completely unfamiliar with <laughs> yeah so there's some that like come in like different 
shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know this is like an audio medium, but I'll just show you really quick. Okay. I have one like this that ha- like it it come it's like a fork. Oh, okay. And so the, the two the two ends flutter together against your your clit. It can also be used on a penis as well. Okay. So it's nice. It's like, it's for all genders. We love it. And does it like, because most of these things have like multiple speeds and stuff as well. So you can use whatever suits you, right? Yeah. I mean, some of them have multiple speeds. This one just has the one speed. Right. Um, But again, like different, different brands, different models do different things. Yeah. Because I have a friend who got like, I think it was a womanizer, actually. And she was like, I can't do it. It's too intense, like even on the lowest setting. What do you do if you get something like that? And it's too much for you? If you okay, so if you're finding that you're like more on the sensitive scale, Mm. Something that has a wider surface area because that's going to like spread out the vibration frequency. Okay. So something like um, something that's going to be that might cover more of your vulva might work a bit better. If you have something with like a smaller tip, Mm. that vibration frequency is going to be much shorter. So you're going to get a lot more vibration in a shorter space of time. That's going to feel much more intense. So generally go for like a bigger toy that's going to have like a wider surface area. Okay. I actually got given a sex toy at my uh, agency's Christmas party this year because I think one of the people who um like one of the other people that the agency represents has a has a sex toy company and it mm. was like uh, just to give an example I think it's it's that kind of toy that you're talking about it was kind of shaped like a triangle but like a roundy triangle so it was yeah. kind of fit perfectly in the palm of your hand but the whole thing kind of vibrated so um I, I think I know what you mean it's like a softer effect yeah yeah, yeah definitely and so but also also you can just like use it outside your underwear as well. That'll oh, yeah. that'll kind of help um, deaden some of the vibrations. You can use a vibrator on like if it's waterproof, you can use it underwater. So take it in the bath, and that'll that'll help spread out some of the vibrations as well. Okay, amazing. Um, then I want to talk about some of the things that I've heard people be concerned about. Can okay. you ruin yourself via a vibrator? Like, can you? use a vibrator that's so good that you're not going to be interested in actual sex ever again no (laughs) okay Okay, good (laughs) no absolutely not so yeah no that that is that is a myth Mm -hmm. um if you're talking about like I know the the myth that I hear constantly that's like still I've been in this business for 10 years and I'm still hearing this it's like oh well if I get a vibrator that's going to desensitize me it's not. It might temporarily mean that, like, if you're using a vibrator that's bringing you up here and then you go to something that's a, a lot slower, you are probably are not going to reach orgasm as quickly because you're, you know, you're yeah, used you're to, used it to in intensity. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're used to that intensity. But if you stop using your vibrator for like a week or two, your body like your body adjusts yeah. to the stimulation that you're giving it so that's it. and also like as much as i love the toys that i sell it's not going to replace human connection <laughs> i don't know why this like myth keeps persisting it's not going to replace human connection okay next one is you know if you're a total beginner and you really have no idea and like there are people who've never masturbated at all you know who really don't know what their body's going to respond to where's a good place to start so I generally would start I mean start 
small. Mm-hmm. If you if you've no idea what you there's no point in you buying something that's got like all of the bells and whistles. Yeah. Um so you could get like a little bullet vibrator if we're talking vibrators. There's some people that don't like vibrators but might enjoy you know, a penetrating toy mm. might enjoy an anal toy, or they might just want um, like a stimulating lubricant or something for their own for, you know, using their own hands. Mm. Um, so I suppose if you've never masturbated, try masturbating on your own first mm. and see what sensations you like, what areas of your body you're interested in stimulating. Mm. Um because I do, I do, I, like, I get emails all the time from people that literally have no idea where to start. And I'm like, you know, what kinds of toys you're, are you interested in? And they're like, I have, I have no idea. Mm. So um, it's my, yeah, my best advice is just to start masturbating on your own. Figure out what feels good to you. Like, explore your body, f- figure out what feels good, and then... And then I can, and then I can give you a recommendation on like what toys are going to suit you and your needs. Mm. Um. Then I mean, look, this is. I'm not necessarily expecting you to have the answer to this because I don't know that there is an answer to this really. Um. But it is about shame. You know, there are lots of people who don't do it because they're ashamed or they're afraid of something arriving through their door. You know, lots of people share houses now with their parents um, or are in situations where they don't want to be They're they're They have their own shame. Then they're worried about being embarrassed by packages coming through the door. They're embarrassed about noise, all that kind of stuff. What would be your recommendation there? I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but like everything that I send out is discreetly packaged Mm. like in plain brown boxes um and lots of companies do that now don't they lots of companies do that it's not just me but um yeah I yeah I don't know if I necessarily have an answer to that because I think like for me it's not even an issue around shame it's an issue around privacy because like, I, I would like to think that I, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem. Well, I don't have a problem with it because I get big boxes of sex toys being delivered to my door every, yeah. like, literally every <laughs> single day. Um, but I I know it's like it's a really personal thing yeah. for, for people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I have a, 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 an answer for you. On well, that I one. wonder, like, I mean, I guess for me because I've heard this from people and for me it's just to remind people that like every type of person masturbates (laughs) like there is no yes there are some people who don't but like there is in every type of person every category of person there are lots of people who masturbate like it doesn't make you a bad person it can make you better at sex it can make you happier like there's so many reasons to do it but I you know I understand it's complicated and it can be embarrassing for people but you know I just I want everybody to do it basically Um, and that's why I have you here (laughs) so (laughs) what about the noise aspect though are there are there very quiet toys there are very quiet toys. That was another big thing during the pandemic. And everyone was like locked down with their five roommates. Yeah. Roommates, um, making sure that, that like there's some vibrators that are a bit on the, the noisier end. Like if you're worried about noise, don't get a mains powered wand. Um, <laughs> something like a small rechargeable, like one brand that I stocks Vacuum make pretty quiet like mm. toys um another brand fun factory like a lot of their toys would just have like a low rumble mm. um 
which is nice. There's no kind of like high pitched buzzing or anything. So yeah. And like, again, as the years go on, the tech gets better and better and better. They're always trying to improve, you know, noise levels, vibration strengths, battery life and stuff. So yeah. So even the stuff that we have now, five years down the road might be like outdated in terms of tech. Well, that's what I learned. I have to keep checking in because I'm missing big developments. Um, Shauna, it sounds like you're happy also to answer messages and questions on this stuff. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's like literally my job. I love it so much. Okay. So where can people find you? Okay. So here's the deal. (laughs) (laughs) So I've kind of given up on on Instagram and Facebook and most social media because I've kind of shot myself in the foot by naming my business Sex Shuppa, um, having sex in the name, like a, all of the social media platforms have gone more and more conservative as yeah. the years have gone on. And they do not like my name and I've kind of been blacklisted. Okay. So I am resetting up my newsletter um the I should have like the first issue coming out in like a month or so Mm -hmm. like I'm trying to collect like stories and stuff and like news articles and everything it's it's not gonna just be like pure sales it's gonna be like essentially my replacement for social media yeah um so if anyone wants to sign up for that they can do so on my website sexshepa.ie there's a box to sign up for the newsletter down at the very very bottom or Mm -hmm. you can email me hello Mm -hmm. at sexshepa.ie I love hearing from people um, and like obviously tell tell me that Louise McSherry sent you (laughs) (laughs) and um, yeah anyone who has like any kind of questions if you are embarrassed please know that you're in the right place you're in a safe space like you know, I'm I'm just here to help. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Shauna. I really appreciate it. Oh, can I can I recommend like one book? Yeah, like, I, I have a book recommendation. Absolutely. Okay, so um, sex educator Grace Alice O'Shea came out with a book, like just talking about shame and stuff. A lot of people saying that they don't feel like they got the proper sex education mm-hmm. that they needed when yeah. they were in, in secondary school, yeah. school. And um, and she has written a book in conjunction with um, Sexual Health West. And it's all like questions being answered that were asked of students mm. or like that students asked, were asking. Yeah. And so it's written like it is written with that audience in mind, but it is so cram packed with so much information. If you if you're like one of those people that felt like you didn't get enough sex education in school, like, please pick up her book. It's okay. on my website, um, sexshepa.ie, and I, I can't recommend it enough. Like, it is literally jam-packed with information. Okay, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much, Shauna. No worries. Thanks so much. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So much to talk about in the world of showbiz this week. We discuss, well, it was only breaking news about Britney potentially ending her marriage to Samaskari. We also chat about the 1975's behavior in Malaysia and whether or not it was a good or bad act of allyship. We talk about Graham Linehan getting banned or kicked out or whatever, his gig getting cancelled at the Edinburgh Festival. And we talk about Westlife going on tour in America for the very first time. What constitutes a tour? Who knows? This week, Keen Sullivan shepherds us through these stories. Keen Sullivan, what a joy it is to speak to you once again. We are joined today by the medium of technology. Where would I be without it? Honestly, literally, I would not have a career because, (laughs) well, let me tell you, when radio presenters lost their job 10 years ago, they didn't have this option. So let's just all pray at the altar of technology for a moment before it ruins our lives. And (laughs) And also, you know, one good thing that came out of the pandemic, I remember afterwards, everyone was like, oh, no one will want to listen to a Zoom podcast anymore once the pandemic is over. No, they were wrong. wrong. Every podcast is a Zoom podcast exactly and it means that i can be in wexford still with my family and you can be in dublin and we can still have this conversation which i'm very excited about we've got a lot to talk about and we're going to start with the story that you actually texted me about during the week and you were saying this you thought this would be a good a good story for this segment um, and i totally agree this is a situation with the 1975 having been fined a huge amount of money over an onstage kiss in malaysia yeah so the Festival was good vibes by name, but certainly not good vibes by nature by the sound of it because, uh, yeah, the 1975 were due to perform. Um, and Matty Healy, who we've discussed, you and I, on this podcast before, mm-hmm. comes out on stage holding what looks like a champagne bottle. It kind of goes on to a rant about how they made a mistake, they shouldn't have booked Malaysia, you know, and because of its LGBTQ. Um, restrictions uh, on people and kind of goes on a sort of drunken rant calls the government uh the or word for people with disabilities and just is like just a very sort of like self-entitled aggrandizing rant and then to kind of like you know punctuate it with like some punk rock he kisses his bassist ross uh, ross mcdonald and storms off stage in in a defiance of what he i'm sure would describe as like LGBTQ, you know, um, standing with the community or whatever. Allyship. Um, yes, allyship. Uh, so the government uh, reacted by cancelling the whole festival. Um, and they are now fining the 1975 $2 million US. So I think it's like $12 million in the local currency. Local Malaysian acts are gathering together to form a class action against the group because the 1975 got prepaid for their appearance. But now because the whole festival was cancelled, these Malaysian acts didn't get paid because they didn't get a chance to perform. 
Uh, the Malaysian, Malaysian LGBTQ groups have said that Mandy's behavior is white savior behavior. It's purely a uh, performative action and that he could have pushed back any progress queers in Malaysia could have made in the past few years. Um, and this is kind of where I joined the story originally. And I guess kind of where I was coming from with this is I am... I don't know what I want from my pop stars when they come to playing places mm. that whether they have human rights afflictions against women or queer people or any sort of you know, trans people, etc. I don't know what I want. I don't want them to not do anything, but I want them to do something. And mm. I saw this as at least they were trying to do something, but they totally did it the wrong way and they just made things worse. Yeah, I think it's kind of classic Matty Healy. Like, yeah. I don't think he's a bad guy. I just think he goes about things in a really stupid way. I think like, oh, sorry, that's my WhatsApp. Um, I think he, um, go away. <laughs> Sorry. I think he just never consults with anyone else before he does anything. I feel like he never externalizes any idea. He just like does it, you know, Mm -hmm. on a whim and then is like in a blind panic. And like, you know, it, it doesn't work out. And like if he had said to his management team or whatever, look, I'm upset about this. I don't think we should be playing here. What can we do about it? Like maybe they could have come up with something actually good, but it feels like he like found out at the last minute and then just like was like, I'm gonna, I'll fucking tell him and like stormed mm. on stage and the intentions were good. He's not obviously against the homophobia in Malaysia, which is good, but yeah. to do it and then in offend people with disabilities in the process and like fuck over the local people and, you know, arguably, there are probably lots of queer people in Malaysia who want to see a band like the 1975 and probably were excited about seeing the 1975 mm-hmm. and then didn't get to see the 1975 or any of the other acts that they wanted to see that weekend. Like, it's just not thought through, is it, even if the intention no. is good? Yeah. And, and he said the only reason he appeared on stage is because he didn't want to, you know, um, punish the fans who won't get to see him live because their government are, and he used the or word. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, it, that's exactly it. Like, I feel... I don't even want to say the intentions. Well, he isn't being hateful, I don't think. But like he made it all up. He made a big mess of the whole thing. And then he doesn't help himself either. When he was asked about the situation afterwards, he said, well, me and Ross nearly shaved our heads because we thought we were going to jail for being fags. Oh, my God. Just close your mind. Like, if you're not going to come out and say, oh, we stand by the queer community in Malaysia, we're not going to give the two million to the government, we're going to give the two million to these LGBTQ groups. Yeah. There's a lot of things they could do to make the situation better for themselves, and they're just making it worse. I'm, like, that bit is truly shocking to me. Like, it just betrays an ignorance and, like, a total lack of consideration. And he needs to, like maybe go away maybe he needs to go away maybe that's actually what he needs to do it's also an ignorance of his privilege that he was able to swan in there swan out and make it worse it's basically the first episode of white lotus is what he's done (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay well look we'll see what happens there he'll probably just continue to be maddie healy knowing him yes Um, 
Okay, let's talk about Paul Maskell. So we are all obsessed with Paul Maskell, let's be honest. Um, I, mm-hmm. like, I'm not even, I don't think particularly in love with Paul Maskell or anything, but I do find myself totally fascinated by him. I want to watch him do everything. I saw the photo of himself and Phoebe Waller-Bridge um, outside with a glass of wine and a smoke in their hand and nearly died, like desperately wished I was there with them. I saw the photo with him this week of himself and Harry Styles. And I was like, oh my God, my head is exploding. Like we all mm-hmm. love him. Um, but he's quite private and he has spoken out about some of the speculation about his personal life and how he finds it challenging. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the the crux of it is that he's, I guess he's struggling with fame. He's mm. speaking about the speculation about his private life, especially after the alleged end of his relationship with Phoebe Bridgers and how people were speculating and how he found that really hurtful. Mm-hmm. He also shares an account as well of being groped by a fan and how uncomfortable he felt in that situation and stuff like that. And I think the thing that we all like about Paul Meskel is because we know 10 men each who are just like Paul Meskel. He's yeah. like a quiet, non-assuming Irishman, mm-hmm. loves a pint, loves a bit of banter, but like, you know, doesn't want everyone poking into their business, maybe finds it hard to express their emotions. I don't want to speak for Paul Meskel on that. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that's kind of why we all love him because we just see him as like the everyday Irish guy and he's getting out here to do all these glamorous Hollywood things. Yeah. Um, which yeah, I think, that's exactly you know, it. That's exactly it. He's he's like us in the world. It's almost like he's a representative yeah. of us normal people. See what I did there? Um, <laughs> out in the world. And like, I think, you know, I think what he said is totally fair. He was talking to Harper's Bazaar. He said, if I'm going to make TV shows like normal people, there's going to be an appetite from the world. 80% mm-hmm. of that, I think this is the key. He says 80% of that is palatable and then 20% of it is devastating. So he's not saying like, because I think sometimes celebrities are like, oh, you know, they complain about this stuff and people don't take it well. But, you know, he's not saying he doesn't want any attention. He's just saying mm-hmm. that there's an extreme end of it, which is not appropriate. And he's right. Like, it's not right yeah. for him to be groped. And I think in a way, this kind of um, ties in with the recent conversations we've been having on the podcast about behavior at concerts and mm-hmm. um, boundaries appear to have been really blurred, I think, um, in terms of people's parasocial relationships with famous people and, you know, what people think is acceptable to do for a video or a story that they can share mm-hmm. on their social media and things like groping Paul Maskell, someone who you arguably admire and like and making him feel uncomfortable in the process is a good example of that, I think. Yeah, uh, well, on a lighter note, after the groping incident, there was an article where he said 97% is fine, 3% is okay. Oh. So that, that percentage of not okay is creeping up rapidly. Mm. <laughs> Who knows where he'd be in three months? Yeah. But yeah, no, you're totally right. And I think, like, you know, uh, my news cycle is constantly all Taylor Fee, uh, Taylor Fee, Taylor Swift stuff. And I don't know how much, how down the, the Gaylor rabbit hole you've gone about her and oh, her I've alleged gone relationship. Extremely deep, Kian extremely yeah. deep her and her alleged relationship with Carly Kloss and at the last show in LA Carly Kloss was there and like people are starting podcasts and making money out of speculations about Taylor Swift's sexuality and I think at this point Taylor Swift's leading into it because she can't fight it but mm-hmm. like yeah that's not good either so no. yeah the boundaries as to what we can speculate should people are saying Miley Cyrus is in a cult now I know. so like the what what, what we deem as acceptable in speculation is the the, the boundaries moving and moving. I think, yeah, you're right. Because it's not, you know, like, in, like there was a good example of this, I think, this week when um, 
a BBC journalist tweeted the process that he went through in terms of um, confirming a death that had been reported on uh, Lil Tay, this this internet Mm -hmm. famous person's um, Instagram page. It said that they had died. And this BBC journalist was like, here's what you have to do as a BBC journalist to find out whether, you know, this is true. And he described like, I think it was like 12 hours work only to find out that actually, no, this person had not died. But it had been reported everywhere else because, you know, in proper journalism, there are standards and there are things that are acceptable. There are journalistic guidelines. There's all that kind of stuff. But now everyone's a journalist and you can be you know, a journalist, air quotes, or like an expert on Taylor Swift and, you know, make a living off of being an expert on Taylor Swift from your bedroom at 17, you know, just because you, mm-hmm. you know, speculate on TikTok. So things have changed intensely. And I actually saw an Instagram or a TikTok, excuse me, last week, which was I thought was interesting as well. Um, Boy Genius are touring at the moment. They're in Dublin um, the week after next what, I don't know what day is it. Who are those my feet? I don't know. I think it's the week after next. Um, and people are the boy genius fans are obsessed with boy genius. I'm one of them. Mm. Um, but this girl who's kind of the same age as me had gone to a concert in America, and she was like, you know, I've seen a lot of people talking about Gen Z fans and younger fans and fan behavior, and she was like, look, I'm not you know here to shit on anybody. I want everybody to have a good time, but there is something going on. She was like, you know, when you're screaming lyrics so loud that the person, you know, that I can't hear the song, if you're screaming, crying so loud that I can't hear the song, like if you're impacting someone else's experience, it's not okay. And I thought all of that was interesting. But what I really thought was interesting was she said some of the ways that the people on stage were being like sexualized was disgusting. And Mm. she was like, you know, the way that they're being spoken about, that their bodies are being spoken about, like the tone in which they're being spoken about, you know, that kind of stuff has also become super common in fandom and and viewed as acceptable. So I do think, you know, there's a conversation to be had about boundaries, basically, um, because they seem to have completely gone by the wayside. And there seems to be, for me, a parallel between all those recent stories in the US about UFOs and these whistleblowers, et cetera, are like the UFO community and the Swifty community or the, these intense fans communities because it's so easy to say anything is evidence without any proof and then it takes so long to debunk things to yeah. be like, oh, well, actually, no. Because these people, like the Gator stuff, it's like, oh, well, she said it was raining in this song and when they met out, it was actually, I checked the weather patterns and it was, <laughs> you know, rain between three and four in Seattle. And you're like, girl. I know. I think my favorite Gaylor TikTok, though, was a lesbian who had gone to the concert, a Taylor Swift concert with her uh, partner. And she was like, this is irrefutable proof that Taylor Swift is gay. And she was like, first of all, look at this video. And it like seemed to make it look like she looked at them. And she was like, she looked at us. We are the gayest looking people in history. And then she's like, also, we were at the concert. Case closed. <laughs> like taking the piss, obviously. But it is that kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like it's so <laughs> loose. It's crazy. It's, it's fascinating. But uh, it's dodgy AF. Yeah, um, The internet can do crazy things to a person, um, which is a beautiful segue to what What's gone on with Graeme Linehan and the Edinburgh Festival? Okay. I just want to say from the outset, I was on the fence about even talking about this because I don't want to give this man attention. But I think it is important to kind of dissect what's happened here. Well, for me, the story isn't actually about him. It's about censorship and comedy and this production company. So... Edinburgh Festival uh, goes out every August, huge comedy festival, you know, maybe the biggest in the world, unfact checked, here I am being a gayler. Um, 
the Leith Archers, Arch, sorry, Leith Arches venue was hosting a gig held by Unleashed Comedy, um, who I've looked up and kind of asked somebody who I know in the industry about them, who kind of brand themselves on being edgy mm. and being able to talk about things that other people aren't talking about. And I think that there was some goodwill with them at the beginning, but now if you go onto their Instagram, I think I watched five or six reels and four of them were specifically talking about trans people and how trans people are eroding the rights of women or all the sort of classic cliches um, that uh, we hear from anti-trans rhetoric and parlance. Um, so I think despite them being edgy, I think they definitely have an agenda. Uh, they were hosting a comedy. I think they were hosting like in the Edinburgh Festival, you, you host like one show every day. So I think there was a series of shows. And on one particular day, which was was on th- or was today, or Thursday they were recording, uh, Graham Linnan was supposed to be on the lineup. Um, the venue who told who said that they had not had access to the lineup prior to you know, knowing what who was gone each day. Once they found out Graham Lennon was performing, they cancelled the gig, mm. saying that it was in a breach of their guidelines. Uh, I think I have the quote here somewhere, if you want to read it. But um, yeah, they cancelled the gig because they didn't want to support Graham Lennon. And then, you know, the people running the gig went online to complain about them to say that uh, they we're censoring them. Yeah, so, they, the archer said, uh, we're an inclusive venue and this does not align with our overall <laughs> values. Basically, yes. yeah. Now, I I struggle with this because I don't believe censorship is good. Mm-hmm. But I do also think if you are somebody who aligns a certain stream of ideology with your brand, mm-hmm. then I think it's okay for people to not have you on board if they don't believe it's your ideology. So, I, like, they're, you know, the archers are allowed their expression of free speech as well to not platform people they don't want to platform. yeah. I agree with you. Well, and I think, oh, sorry, carry on. Sorry, sorry. I don't think the arches come out very good in this circumstance because yeah. I think having looked at this Unleashed Comedy group, I imagine that over their run at the Edinburgh Fringe, I'm sure they've had many people, I'm guessing, I assume, I haven't been there. Based on their Instagram, it would suggest they're also platforming people with similar views to Graham mm. Lillian. Mm. They just don't have the profile or the, I know, the controversial past that would flag people who don't know them that they're going to say it. So mm-hmm. I think this feels like just too little, too late. Like they've platformed these people, this this gig, and they're only stepping in when it's the the big dog, I suppose. Yeah. And I saw people saying like, maybe you should research the bookings a little bit more before you accept mm-hmm. them, like all that kind of stuff. And, and that's all valid. Um, but I think as well, like there's a difference between disagreeing with someone's opinions and disagreeing with hateful behavior. Like some mm-hmm. of the things that Graham Linehan has done, like if if Graham Linehan was just a turf, say, and just a transphobe, and that was the end of it, I would be more interested in the argument. I would still struggle with it, but I would be more interested in the argument. Mm-hmm. But this is a man who, you know, has posted photographs of people with their children and invited his followers to attack them has you know said truly like you know on the verge of like eugenic style stuff which is exactly what he accuses people of um you know he has attacked personally people over and over and over again on the internet like i think there's a difference between having an opinion and 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 hateful behavior and, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I don't think that people who attack people hatefully on the Internet and invite real life attacks on people should be given massive platforms. And I 
I personally don't actually view that as censorship. Um, and I also think yeah. that if you have an opportunity to say what you want all day, every day, like this is a person who was once um, suspended from Twitter because what they were doing was so hateful. And let's be honest, the you know, mm-hmm. it takes a lot to get suspended on Twitter. Like you can say a lot of dumb shit and hurtful shit and bad shit on Twitter and still not get suspended. You have to really cross the line to get suspended. And he was. And the only reason he's back on it is because of Elon Musk. But like he does have a platform. He's not silenced. He's just not allowed to have a gig in this venue. Yeah, and that's the thing. People are like, oh, free speech, free speech. And it's like, your speech is free. It's just not without consequence. Yeah. And this is the consequence of your speech. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Okay, thank you. That was very clear. Um, And I thought this one's a bit, this one's fun. Um, So I know you haven't seen Daisy Johnson the Six. I watched it. It is Mm -hmm. an Amazon Prime drama. I loved it. It, I mean, I didn't think it was like the world's best program, but I really enjoyed um, it. It's based loosely on um, Fleetwood Mac. It is based on a book, um, which was a huge, huge, huge success and absolutely loved, written by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, and I just loved being in the kind of glamorous world of the 60s and 70s. Um, but I did wonder what Stevie Nicks and the rest of Fleetwood Mac thought of it. And Stevie Nicks has finally spoken out. Yeah, she said uh, that she felt like, <laughs> I thought this was so lovely and sweet, that uh, watching Daisy Jones and the Six, that she felt that she was seeing her own story unfurl in front of her and that she said she felt like a ghost watching it. like watching yeah. her own history in front of her and that she wishes that Christine McVeigh could have been around to watch it, which I thought was such a sort of a heartbreaking moment as well. So yeah, it's good to hear that it got the, the seal of approval from Stevie Nicks. Yeah, she said it brought back loads of memories for her. Um, and I was, you know, it must be mad because I saw uh, when I was watching it, um, it was when everybody was watching it, Fern Cotton um posted on Instagram saying because she's married to one of the sons of one of the Rolling Stones um, yes Ronnie Woods Ronnie Woods yeah Ronnie Woods thank you I couldn't get any of the details there in my brain <laughs> and she was saying that like there were loads of locations and stuff and loads of bits of the the series that were kind of transferable to the Rolling Stones experience and mm-hmm. that it brought up loads of stories within their family so like it, you know it must be mad I would love to go back to that time just for like one mad night you know yeah, I do. think it would be yeah, so yeah. fun it just looks so glamorous and like sexy and cool yeah, I didn't say I think Janice Joplin, like that sort of era of just yeah. hanging out with like my peace sign, tie-dye top and my big sunglasses exactly. like, looking fun. Yeah, See, I think it. you might like Daisy Jones and the Six. Like you just can't go into it expecting the bear. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. it's it's kind of candy floss, but like in a in a good way, I think. And I loved the music. Like I listened to the songs a lot. A lot um, after I, the fact. I haven't not watched it because I think I like it. I just haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you might lot, like it. List. I think okay. you might like it. And the music, like really cool people worked on the music. Um, Phoebe Bridgers worked on the music. Like a oh, you cool. know a huge okay. range of of cool yeah. people worked on the music. So, um, yeah, I would recommend if anybody hasn't watched it yet. And now, are I, we expecting Britney Spears to say something similar about the idol? She felt like a ghost watch get brought back so oh, much from her. Hell. Who knows? <laughs> and, oh, God, and apparently Britney Spears is getting divorced. That's a breaking. Yeah story um kind of unconfirmed i think so i don't want to go too deeply into it but that's the reports is that herself and sam are getting divorced Worst, watch yes. that story um, I know a lot of Britney fans weren't fans of him but yeah that's a, another conversation for the day yeah yeah it's just hard to talk about Britney it's so complicated and um, there's also mm-hmm. a report that she's going to be doing an interview with Oprah which I would love to see but then you kind of don't know like it's, it's just hard to believe anything not from yeah. Britney but like from the Britney camp you don't know kind of yeah, what's yeah. what's true and what's not true um, let's quickly talk about Kiki Palmer because I just 
absolutely adore this move. Kiki Palmer was in the news recently because she pissed off her partner at the time by wearing a sexy outfit and going to an Usher concert. And uh, it all went sour. And now she has made an unbelievable move, in my opinion. Yeah, full circle. She is in the new video by Usher, who... I didn't know it was still making music um, called Boyfriend in which she dons the baggy jeans, the, the leather jacket, the white tee underneath the medallion, the sunglasses, the classic Usher look as she pops and locks around a Vegas casino or what it looks like one anyway with Usher. And yeah, it just goes to show how how good crack Kiki Palmer is. Yeah. She's definitely <laughs> someone you'd have at a dinner party because, you know, if she'd, be, she'd bring a good wine. She'd be a good laugh. She wouldn't complain about the food and yeah. she'd get a photo I love it so much. Like it's such a it's such a powerful move. Like imagine your boyfriend publicly being like, "She's a mom, though. Why is she doing this?" And then being like, "Yeah, well, fuck you. Here I am, yeah. momming away." Are they still together? No, she no. Yeah, no, I, she, I didn't. I didn't think so, but I couldn't find a confirmation of that. I, well, I don't think so. Like I think within two days or something, she she posted a video doing a dance to a song about being single or something. Like I think she, okay. she's <laughs> yeah. Like she did <laughs> not wait around. Welcome to the internet, Keen. Okay. I know. I love it so much, and she also made a video about being single parent so like I think um I think he's gone and I love her for getting doing it expediting that process and and, and like she can dance as well like she there's nothing she she can't do equals Usher in the moves as well she's amazing yeah well Keen, we've talked for a long time so we're not going to go in depth on Westlife's American tour but I think it is interesting to say that Westlife are touring America for the first time ever they are now would you call a four date run a tour (laughs) would we (coughs) Probably not. Probably not. They're doing four dates across the pond. Look, it's something. It's something. And they're going on Good Morning America. The reason that I kind of put this in the list of stories. Yeah. What I thought was interesting is that, you know, it says a lot, I think, about where the music industry is. That like, you know, Westlife are of a time where you still had to kind of be in a country where the music was popular to buy the CD you know we still had imports like you couldn't just mm-hmm. access music the way you can now whereas if a band like Westlife were right now they would have I'm sure worldwide success you know they yeah. would be huge in America you know it wouldn't be a big effort to make them huge in America because people could just access their you know their songs would be big on TikTok and people could access it on Spotify and mm-hmm. um, so they kind of missed the boat I think on America because of the time that they were around but now yes, obviously exactly. I remember even Robbie Williams couldn't break America as well like yeah. breaking America became this kind of it was like, a huge thing huge thing Samantha Mumba could do it Westlake couldn't do it yeah Take That had one big song in America just before they split up Back for Good okay what a song good what a song anyway good luck uh, to the lads yes, they'll be bop bop babying around Toronto Boston <laughs> New York and Chicago and I'm excited for the Good Morning America but all that's gonna be interesting I agree culture clash I agree Kian thank you so much we've had a lot to cover and you've done it beautifully no problem thank you <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you Kian? Um I'm on RTE Pulse on Wednesdays I do a show called Club 96 and I am currently on my off season of Sissy That Pod but when Drag Race UK comes back in around October I'll be back talking about it over there wonderful thank you so much bye Well, that is just about it from me. Before I go, what can I recommend? I recommend watching the World Cup final. It's on this weekend. It's on Sunday. I am very much looking forward to it. I have so enjoyed getting into the football as I think I've banged on about enough here. Um, It's been really exciting. There's been so much drama, so many upsets. Um, It's just been great. And I'm actually going to be really sad that it's over. I think I might watch women's club football this. It, It just, it turns out... I just didn't care about the men. 
playing football. I think there's just so much negativity in men's football and the money is so obscene and like, so, you know, so much of it is horrible. It was hard to get excited about it. Um, but yeah, I've been just loving the Women's World Cup. So watch that on Sunday. I also, tangentially, I suppose, in a way, staying in the world of sports, but honestly, I do not think you in any way need to know or care about sports to enjoy this, have been watching Welcome to Wrexham. Um, it's on Disney+. Plus. It is the documentary series about Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Ryan Reynolds of Ryan Reynolds fame. Um, buying and trying to turn around Wrexham AFC, a football club in Wales. It is so charming. I think Ryan Reynolds might be the best guy, like, you know, that has ever existed. He just is so, so charming. But it's so it's as, as much about the people of Wrexham um, as it is about anything else. It's made for an American audience, so they kind of assume that people know nothing about football, so they explain everything, so you really don't need any kind of baseline knowledge. Um, I really would recommend it. I love it. It's about community. Um, and I just love things that are about community, guys. So that's on Disney+. Plus. I've been pretty much only watching that, to be honest, over the last week or so. So I don't have any other major recommendations. Haven't had a lot of time to read. I'm still reading the list, um, which I recommended a few weeks ago. Still enjoying it, but I'm just, you know, you know yourself. Sometimes you just don't have the time. And I currently just don't have the time. But I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting a bit of time back soon. And then hopefully I can consume culturally once more. Um. I love you guys. Thank you for letting me do this and for continuing to listen to it. Um, I really appreciate it. And I will be back with you next week. Thank you to Acast and to my contributors. And I hope you have a good week. But if you don't, and that's okay, we can't always have a good week. Just put one foot in front of the other and I will talk to you next Friday. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.